I find it so powerful the way we, we read that narrative, the way we take part as the crowd and um, say things that we wish we would never say, but that we realize that we're not much different than the people that were there, so we probably would have jumped right in. You know? and, and that's what we're meant to do, is to get a sense of um, who we are when we don't rely on Christ and the lack of loyalty that we would show to our Lord, um, be it not for his grace and, and his Holy Spirit in us. But it's interesting to reflect, like, why all the focus on Jesus' death? I mean, we have, so I have a crucifix I'm wearing, right? So we have um, jewelry. Um, even if, if we don't have a crucifix with Jesus on it, I mean, we have a cross behind us, you know, which, was, uh, which is simply a, a symbol um, to remind us of the horrific death that Jesus died. A lot of focus on Jesus' death for us. Christians focus a lot on the cross. They focus a lot on what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I think the reason we do that is because there's something really special about this death. This death is like no other death. This death was one that led the centurion, one who had crucified hundreds of Jews probably, um, to say, surely this man was the son of God. <laughs> which is how that ended. And, and certainly that was because of the miracles that happened surrounding his death. But those things authenticate something that's special about Jesus' death, that Jesus' death is unique, that Jesus' death isn't like other deaths. So why is his death so different? Well, it could be maybe his innocence, right? That he was an innocent man. Jesus was innocent. The text we read intentionally point, was was pointing out a breaking of the ninth commandment, using the exact language of the ninth commandment. They bore false witness about him. They bore false witness about him. It was repeated three times. Bore false witness, saying, hey, they're breaking the ninth commandment here. They are not, uh, they, they're bearing false witness against their neighbor. They're breaking the law, right? So Pilate recognizes innocence. He, he perceived, in Mark we have a shorter version, but even he, in Mark we see it saying, he perceived that it was because of envy, Another breaking of the Ten Commandments, the coveting, right? The Tenth Commandment. But that it was because of envy that they gave him up, right? He perceived that. Jesus was not guilty of a crime, and yet he was tried, found guilty, and put to death by the government. An innocent person put to death by the government. However... Innocent people die all the time in our world, don't they? Unjust wars claim the lives of civilians and they get called collateral damage. <laughs> Abortion claims the lives of the unborn. We know that people are put to death today for crimes that they didn't commit. So it isn't Jesus' innocence that make us focus on his death and that makes his death like no other death, even though he was innocent. <laughs> Perhaps it's the horrific nature of his death. Maybe that's why we focus on it so much, right? The nature of Jesus' death was just horrific, what he went through for us. He was ashamed. He was scared. He was stripped naked. And he was so afraid to do it beforehand that he asked his father if it was possible to take that cup away from him. See, Jesus went to the cross terrified because he was human. He died alongside criminals. 
And perhaps worst of all, he wasn't vindicated while hanging on that cross. This man said he was the son of God and he can't come off a cross. That's what the crowd shouted to him. When he was the son of God, being that misunderstood as he hung from the cross. So he had a horrific death that he died for us. It was purposely designed to be incredibly painful and shameful. The whole point of it was that so no one would want to do it. So the Romans would do this so that people would, and they would do it publicly, and they would shame, and they would purposely prolong life so that they were tortured. And, they, and the whole purpose of this was so that people would see and not want to do whatever that person did to end up on that cross. It was horrific. However, crucifixion was wildly common. Many, many people died this way. Josephus, uh, the ancient Jewish historian, tells of Alexander having 800 Jews crucified while feasting with his concubines. It wasn't weird to have a Jewish man nailed to a cross. Happened all the time. Many people whose name we don't remember died this same horrific death that Jesus died. So it wasn't this horrific nature of his death that makes us focus on it so much. Perhaps it was his faithfulness as a martyr. Right? Jesus was faithful to the end. He was scared, but he was obedient. And he said, if it's possible, will you take this away from me? Yet not what I will, but your will be done to his father, right? Jesus remained faithful. He didn't shrink back, and he died a martyr's death, <laughs> testifying to the love of his father, even, even uh, about those who were crucifying him, right? But yet that's not unique to Jesus. Peter, according to church tradition, was crucified upside down, deciding that he wasn't worthy to die the same way the Lord Jesus died, right? One of my favorite stories to read is one of uh, an ancient bishop, Polycarp, his martyrdom. There's a story about his martyrdom and the, and the horrific death that he died, testifying to the faith. So it wasn't his, just his faithfulness to the end that makes us focus so much on this death of Jesus. So why do we focus so much on the death of Jesus? What makes it a death like no other? A death that even the centurion, who had crucified hundreds of Jews, recognized as unique. There are four reasons that Jesus' death is unique and why we focus on it. First, Jesus' death displays God's love for us. Jesus' death shows how much God loves us. So in Romans chapter 5, verses 7 to 8, it says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The display of God's love for us, in other words, is that even while we were enemies, while we were rebelling against God, Christ died for us. As we go through life, we're going to see evidence to the contrary, that, that God loves us. We can know that God loves us, but we'll see reasons to doubt that. You may lose a job. 
um, you may get diagnosed with a serious illness. Our loved ones will pass away. I mean, watching the news is just scary. And we, and we can find ourselves maybe doubting God's love for us. But any time we're tempted to doubt, does God love us? We're to look at the cross. We say God loves us like that. God loves us enough to send his son to die for us. That's the God we serve. So one reason that we focus on this death so much and that this death is like no other death is this death in a unique way displays God's love for us. Another reason we focus on this death is that Jesus' death overthrows the power structures of this world. <laughs> the, the, so, so we know what happened. So the, the religious structures and the governmental authorities got together. They conspired together, and what happened was the crucifixion. This is what happens when the religious powers and the governmental powers come together, that they came together and they crucified Jesus. Christians always are rightly doubtful of the power structures of this world. We don't believe that the government always gets it right. We don't believe that the power structures of this world are, are righteous. In fact, they are not righteous. And Jesus died to overthrow the power structures of this world. We don't, the, the, the scriptures tell us, don't make citizenship with this world, with the power structures of this world, with the governmental authorities of this world, with the court systems in this world. Don't make, don't make your home here. Your home is in a heavenly kingdom, right? And Jesus' death overthrows the power structures of this world. So John 12, 31, which we read last week, says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Or Colossians 2.15 says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus' death overthrows the power structures, the power structures that are run by the evil one and gives us a new king. So we focus on Jesus' death because he overthrows the power structures of this world. We also focus on Jesus' death because Jesus' death inaugurates a new covenant. A brand new covenant. So we're about to celebrate the Lord's table. We'll again hear the words, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The first covenant was inaugurated with blood, right? With the blood being spread on the altar with the reading of the Ten Commandments, right? The old covenant was inaugurated with blood. So also was the new. And this new covenant was inaugurated with the blood of King Jesus who shed his blood for us. And this cup that we drink is a celebration of the new covenant that was inaugurated with the shedding of Jesus' blood. A brand new way of relating with God. A way of relating with God that isn't dependent on my own ability or isn't dependent on me getting things together, but a way of relating with God that recognizes that he has done enough. A new covenant. One where the law of God is written on my heart. Where I'm internally motivated to keep God's law. A new covenant inaugurated in his blood. So we focus 
on Jesus' death because Jesus' death gives us a brand new way of relating with God, a new covenant. Finally, we focus a lot on Jesus' death because Jesus' death brings forgiveness for our sins. For our sins. So Colossians, the, just the, the verses right before what I just read, verses 13 and 14, say when it talks about the, gov- the power of, uh, and authorities being cast down, right before that, Paul writes this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Our sin nailed to the cross of God's son, Jesus. The the ways that we've rebelled against God, the wicked things that we have done, the ways we've turned against him, the way we've been like the crowd that was shouting out, crucify him, the ways that our sin has offended God and brought about his righteous wrath, all of that nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. The truth is, none of us could stand before God. None of us can stand before the almighty and just God who's coming to judge the living and the dead. None of us can do that, but for Jesus. But for the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. But for the death that he died in our place, the death that we deserve. As the hymn we sang said, that heaven was his home, but mine was the tomb he was laid in. That's where I belonged, and he took my place. So that we might turn to him, so that we might turn to Christ and find forgiveness for all of our sins. You see, we always enter into Holy Week with this powerful reflection on the passion of Jesus. Every year we pause and we intentionally read it straight from the scriptures. And we do this to reflect on the death that is like no other. There's no death like Jesus' death. Not simply because it was horrific and it was unjustified and it displayed great faithfulness to God, right? But the reason Jesus' death was a death like no other is because what it accomplished for us. Jesus' death makes us new. Jesus' death displays God's great love for us. It frees us from the bonds of Satan. It it brings about an entirely new way of relating with him, and it purchases our forgiveness because he died in our place. At the cross, Jesus died so that we might live. This Holy Week, let us walk with Jesus through the last week of his life. Let us reflect on what his horrible death accomplished for us. Let us renew our hearts to follow after him, to give our lives to him and to others, and to celebrate his resurrection with joy. Amen.